0: Welcome to eHealth Talk, a podcast from Health Informatics New Zealand and hosted by me, editor of eHealth News, Rebecca Macbeth. This podcast provides a regular roundup of news and views from across New Zealand's data and digital health sector. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to eHealth Talk NZ. Today I'm talking to the new chief executive of Health Informatics New Zealand, Tim Corbett. Welcome on the show, Tim. Can you start by telling our listeners a little about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, well, kia ora, everyone. Kia ora, Rebecca. Thanks for interviewing me today. It's a great chance to sort of speak out to the Hins community and, and um, get in touch and give them an idea of who I am and, and where I see Hins going and, and how we can all work together to you know bring digital and data into the health outcomes that we want to achieve so thank you um so my my background i I started life with a phys ed degree down in otago and then um, got very interested there with uh behavior change and how we how we create and curate environments to encourage the uh, health outcomes that we want. And that then transferred into a um, master's in business studies and then a postgraduate diploma in public health. And then I started my PhD way back 20 oh, odd years ago and how to use and using text messaging to help people quit smoking uh, with the STOMP trial, which was world famous in New Zealand and went around the globe. Um, And it's still cited now as one of the original sort of um, seminal works in in behaviour change and using technology, which was fantastic. The big upside way back then was it worked just as well for Māori as it did for non-Māori. So um, it was one of the very first interventions to actually achieve, which was fantastic. And then um, over the time, I lectured first in health promotion and public health and, and back in sports management. And then um, my wife and I have five children and looked across and went, these are a lot of children and I don't really want to just see them Sunday afternoon as a as a 70-hour-a-week working dad. And so I um, went into consulting and project and contract work so that I could work from home 20 years before we even considered something like COVID. So um, I've been a work-from-home dad for yeah, 25, 30 years, which has been fantastic. So And a lot of that work was, again, in the change space, whether that was policy uh, individual community whānau change, a lot of NGOs, DHV, DHVs. Way back then it was actually RHAs and HFAs. And uh, then into ACC, um, Asia Pacific, with some um, strategy work around there as well. So a lot of work right across from primary through to tertiary through to population health, health promotion. I was very lucky to be to do work on One Heart, Many Alive, which was um, focusing on Māori men, cardiovascular disease with Pharmac. And so very lucky to be sort of immersed with some key Māori um, health workers then, Marama Parori and Karen Verko and um, Karen Jacobs and Leonie Matoi who uh, so I learnt a lot about how to work with and learn from um, whānau. And so that's built into me a very strong sort of whānau-centric and, and pae you know, what, what makes whānau strong? So very much that sort of strength-based approach rather than deficit approach. And all the way along, store the capability and the possibility of digital and data to optimise not just care, but also delivery of health um, and to shift that power into the hands of the patient and whanau. So that's what I'm very much about, is releasing the um, health professionals to do that high touch that they do so well by using tech to optimise their efficiency and effectiveness It's a really exciting time because COVID's driven so much of that change forward and accelerated it, and now it's normalised and and built in.
0: Yeah, certainly has. So uh, you've touched on it there, and you've certainly been in the health system a long time. What have been your key learnings during that time, both about health and, as you mentioned, Maori health in particular?
1: One of the bonuses I had working across um, multiple different NGOs, and and I would often go down to Wellington. And be working with four clients who are all in the same building, but who actually didn't know about each other. So one of the things quite early on is that people are busy and they're very intense, very passionate, but it's hard for them to look up and look out. Um, you know, their KPIs and their outcomes are, are so um, they get a little bit insular. And a voice said to the health sector, "We need to get out more. We need to get out and play and meet and work with people who aren't in our sector." But that's really hard when it's a super intense job and there's uh, a lot to get done with generally dwindling resources so what i learned quite quickly is that people who can navigate and connect and join people up then they can start to stack outcomes rather than us working individually in silos if we can spend more time release people to connect and um, collaborate and contribute then we can accelerate uh, through synergy, the work that we can do. Also learn the uh, like just on before, the the um, strength base of of Māori, and I, and I'm seeing it more and more, and I think everyone's seeing it more and more that it's that Maori concepts are starting to be seen as something unique to New Zealand and almost our USP globally, and that um, those are a strength enhancing mana enhancing health enhancing aspects that are now starting to be built in as as first principles. Which is something that we're looking to do inside Hins as well, data and digital. I know there's there's been a piece of work recently that's come out of uh, big data set analysis that's been done with the Great Science Challenge, and Taro now actually identified as a health enabling factor uh, for Fano, probably all round. I mean that was you know, built into us twenty odd years ago with uh, Ravanitipity Leach who, who lectured us on Māori health and said Taro was a health determinant for Māori. So, if you you speak it, you're highly likely connected to hapu and your iwi, you're stronger, your Māori stronger, and and, you'll be healthier, which makes logical sense, let alone um, cultural sense.
0: And so, what about the role of data and digital specifically in the health sector? How's your thinking developed on that? And has your personal experience of the health sector shaped your views on that?
1: Yes, definitely. uh, starting, Starting backwards, personal. Classic lived experience. So um, my wife lives with a incurable cancer. Um, three boys who have got degenerative eye conditions and, um, and are losing their sight progressively, but are all excelling in their personal and professional lives. One's generated one point eight grandchildren so far. So we're waiting for that point two to turn up in about six weeks' time. Multiple orthopedics, uh, elderly parents who have gone through aged care, then hospice care, then respite, then passing on, and all the opportunities in there to maximise. Connection with our family and our whānau, even just being able to manage their care from a distance across multiple countries, let alone localities, and look after them. Um, I look at uh, our our three boys, and one's 33, and then the youngest is 21. And even just in that short time frame, what's that, 12 years, the technical capability or tools that are available in, in our youngest hands through iPhones, apps, street years ahead of what our oldest had just 10 years ago so I think I was doing architecture so we're going to have a visually impaired architect who's going to curate you know awesome spaces for people that are just going to feel so much better because he's got that sixth sense but he's got the tools available to him to be able to design and and engage at, at a high level not just a normal level in his workplace I see the power was my wife's got multiple myeloma so it's a uh, What's coming now with digital and data and machine learning is the ability to do to detect multiple myeloma at a very, very early cellular level, rather than waiting for, as how people typically now pick it up, when their bones disintegrate and they get a bone fracture or a back fracture or a thigh th- fracture. So that power of data and, and um, globally sourced data and intelligence that can be built into AI to catch things very, very early. We, we both saw that at that Haka Aotearoa conference recently where AI is able to pick up breast tumours four years earlier than a human. I mean, it's phenomenal. But what I also like is that that evidence-based power and, and physician or specialist-based power then being combined with the knowledge that a community health worker or, or an auntie or someone who's delivering health in Gisborne or the far north or the west coast that same intelligence can now almost be digitized and built into the machine learning as well. So we're getting the best of high-touch, high-tech care that's also scalable. Um, we, we talk a lot at the moment how we, we can't generate enough workforce in the health sector. We probably never will be able to. We won't be able to generate enough Maori GPs and Pacific GPs. It will take us years to get through. But we can generate more working force by using digital and data to scale their reach. So the, um, you know, Manuel Jove recently presented to us the, the uh, uh, numbers of GPs coming in early. And, uh, you know, there's very few in that 20, 25 to 30 age group. The bulk of them are sitting 55 plus. A 55 plus GP is normal, is used to working one to three, one to 5,000. A 24 to 30 year old GP is a digital native and can work one to 50,000 with normal that's their normal day, that's how they operate normally. So I see the power of data and digital being able to um, scale and optimise. You yeah, we always want to have that high touch in there and that personal in there, but again, aspects of that can be digitised and brought in as well. And that shift of putting the power in the, in the patient's hands, um, you, you first-hand experience that when you encourage hope and self-determination, people are healthier and their treatment time frame is shorter when they are, uh, feel empowered and are in power of their own health. Um, so that's where I see it. it's Right from personal to whānau, right the way through to, we can do digital population health now. We can do digital public health. And um, so, you know, the, the new sanitation is digital. Right. right. Early public health was, digit, was sanitation and immunisation, where now digital is a new infrastructure that we can put in place for public health.
0: Yeah, we've um, obviously hearing a lot in the news at the moment about uh, workforce issues in health. You, you talked a little bit there about increasing the working force of our current health professionals. Could you just explain what you mean a little bit more about that and the sort of the role of data and digital and therefore potentially Hens in um, encouraging that? transformation?
1: So the, I think if you, if you look across a normal health professional's day, whether that's a community worker and a community health worker working on a marae in Gisborne or an oncologist working in a private hospital, public hospital in, in Wellington, a big chunk of their day will be admin and keeping in touch and refining stuff, finding data, researching, collating. So we know and we're seeing now that um, AI, you know, three months ago, chat, GPT wasn't even a thing and now three months later you can go what are the latest ways of managing X condition and at least whilst it may you know, always got to double check your facts and that sort of thing and sources but at least quite quickly you've been able to scope and bring together so there's that time saving and optimization piece of, of efficiency um, we can we, we've still got patients who are coming into a, into a waiting room and filling in a, a paper clipboard so there's ways of gathering that data, even before the person turns up. You know, we all check in online um, for our flights and our car rentals. And so that check-in online type concept of enabling the patient to fill in some of their data where they feel calm and collected. So when they turn up, they're already known. So there's that ability to um, make connection personally rather, you know, immediately. So there's, a, there's aspects we've got, we've got tools in the place at the moment that can release the profe- health professional to have more of a high-touch connection. And then it doesn't have to be just that 15 minutes or that hour consult. There's Digital gives us the chance to have repeated touch points, whether they're automated or whether they're um, human-driven. There's the ability to wrap more touch points around the patient care from the whole integrated team, not just the lead health professional. So I can see both that that um, digital augmentation of high touch care, There's be the, there'll be full digital lead of care where you can almost self-service and self-manage. There'll be digital augmentation where we can take some load off admin and resource and um, management load of health professionals by using digital tools and also empowering the patient to manage themselves in a, in a, in a high trust, high, high connection relationship. And then there'll be, at the far end, there'll be um, digital support to go with very high touch. So um, particularly, you know, again, having, you know, my wife went through bone marrow transplant. So for six weeks, eight weeks, she was on the couch. And so, but we were able to wrap digital social support around her that kept her hope filled and kept her socially engaged. We had people come in the door, but we also had multiple digital touch points both from her care team as well as her social care team, which were all her friends and um, and family. So that's the that's how I see the how we can generate more working force. We may not have enough number no, enough GPS coming through, but we can digitally enable the the continuum of the patient journey with a bigger working force. Or working force capability through data and digital.
0: So, you were previously uh, chief executive at the Sir John Kerwin Foundation. Just wondering what drew you to HINS as an organisation?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, the JK Foundation is phenomenal, the mighty that it puts in place is doing ground changing work and early, very, very early intervention of. Um, child mental health and therefore youth and therefore adult mental health. For me, that was it was a great place to be. It was the intersection of education and health and social change. Hins, though, for me, was the ability to work right across the health sector. Um, Hins has got a 360 view of of health. that works and weaves together people from uh, private, public, government, community whānau, Māori health agencies, Pacific health agencies, and we weaves them all together to generate um, new knowledge and new ways of working and trans- you know, encouraging and empowering that digital transformation. So, HINS for me was the ability to get back to first roots, which is digital health is, has been a passion for twenty-five odd years since flip phones were um, were folding flip phones, and they weren't retro; they were first first time. And it used to take three days to send a text, so that was revolutionary. Um, so, that that power and scale that comes from digital and being able to transfer that knowledge base, both from deliverer as well as designer, um, that's what, and that, that ability to work right across the whole health sector. We've health sector's traditionally been silo, um, primary, tertiary, secondary care, and digital enables that transfer and cut through across the whole lot, right the way down to simple stuff of making it easier to find a car park, let alone being able to fill in a form, um, You know, building health literacy capability right the way through to optimising Delivery and care, and releasing, like I said, releasing the passion and professionalism of healthcare people.
0: So, you've been on board, I think, two months now or so. How have you found it so far, and what have you learned about HINS and its role in the sector currently?
1: Yeah, well, well, even before I came in, really, but it reinforced pretty much every day. Um, Incredibly high performing team that the HINS team is. I'm sure there was like 20 people hiding in the background, but no, there's only about five, six. I got to see the, the conference firsthand at the end of last year. And I remember so you know, thinking, oh, I'll go in and drop in and, and speak to the uh, expo presenters and the, you know, the um, vendors who are in the expo hall, expecting to be about 30 or 40, walked around the corner seeing 120, 150. I thought, oh, okay, this is a big beast. And um, it's got an awesome reach. So an incredibly high-performing um, organization and, and team. Um, very smart. Very functional, very get stuff done, which I really like. Health sector, for me, having been involved for 25 odd years, it, it does, you can burn out in it quite easily and get a bit cynical. And uh, the one thing I really like about HINS is that it's, it's a positive place. So it's hope filled and hopeful about what data and digital can do for driving equity and health outcomes and, and, and assuring great health outcomes. So everyone's. You know, classically in the same walker paddling the same direction and likes um, to paddle fast and powerfully it's there's no just being busy it's it's about being potent and and encouraging all the you know, yourself you know, the the tentacles that you reach across across the whole health sector and who you're connected with and the high level of trust I think that hens has and that we have and who we work with so it's a very very trust-centric very um very very strong community. I look across to Kiln and the, and the Forum and, and how they have um, you know, gathered together in there and how they support and build each other into building that health informatics um, space. And then how Hins is encouraging digital curiosity in the, in the health workforce. So we, we want we want a digitally capable health workforce, but also a digitally curious one, one that's going, how, how could we, how might we? And oh, we tried that, didn't quite work, but we learned from it. And um, rather than sort of being scared of digital, or, or um, yeah, we want them curious, we want digitally curious people.
0: So, given uh, what you've learnt so far, what do you see as Hinz's role in supporting transformation of Aotearoa New Zealand's health sector in the future? Can you give us any insight into your plans for Hinz?
1: Yes, yeah, sure. The um, the first driver, and and then the whole team was straight, and the board was straight and behind this was. Was building up our ability to deliver on health equity so Hins this year's conference will be the 21st conference which is a pretty major milestone i don't there's yeah. many conferences that have been going non-stop for 21 years um give or take a couple of years with COVID. so how do we how does hins bring its its kit of of tools and and platform and resources to help uh lift up and bring forward maori and pacifica um health again we're looking at how we can um, add to the conference a whole very strong equity first arm and and day. And, uh, you know, HINS will provide the space. We're, we're very, very good at putting on conferences. We're fantastic at, at producing um, podcasts, webinars, and, and producing thought generation content uh, across the ecosystem. And we're connected with a whole lot of partners who don't necessarily get together in the same room except at HINS. So, how can we, as Hins, use that to um, as a platform to amplify Māori and Pacific health tech leaders, um, digital thinkers? Um, how can we ensure? How can we bring up sovereignty as a as a first principle, the first conversation from day one? Um, how can we ensure, and how can we explore machine learning and AI for Māori and Pacifica? Um, right the way through to what are examples, that, great examples that are going on now for Māori and Pacific data and digital health. So how could, that's that's a real strong drive um, for Hins and that we're bringing in, and um, is already underway. So it's it's we're building from the inside out, uh, doing it authentically, doing it the right way. But the outcome is is how can we not ensure there's not just digital divide, but actually go beyond that and leapfrog beyond that and going. What is the Maori and Pacific knowledge, skill set, and and um, drive that we can bring in to drive forward digital transformation, um, and really not just close the gaps on digital equity, but leapfrog it forward? How can we, how can we support that?
0: Great, and uh, I know for a fact that you're very busy doing all sorts of things outside of work as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you enjoy doing in your spare time, if you have any? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're five children because they're twenty-one to thirty-two, but surprisingly, you're still buying Easter eggs for them. It's like, you know. <laughs> so the the the, uh, the dad tax bill just gets higher. you used to be able to fix it with a lollipop. Now it takes a car uh, or a supportive trip overseas. So we have grandchildren turning up. Um, on a, my other hat is on the being on the board of Women in Sport Aotearoa, um, which is great. I've been on that for about two and a half years, and. Um, we delivered the International Women in Sport Conference in Auckland late last year, so that's been fantastic learning. Really, really cool for my own development. Um, you, you know, examining and investigating my own biases. And I've been involved in sport for well since I was five, really playing sport and delivering sport and coaching. So, looking at the power of women's sport and and the capability and the potential that's there has been really amazing. And, and like I say, yeah, unpeeling the biases and the lenses that I look through. Um, and then we've got four boys and one girl. So our girl is the most tenacious, competitive person I know. And so it's, um, yeah, very cool having that. My own sport. Um, I did Iron Maui late last year in, in December in Napier, which was phenomenal. I've done Iron Man maybe four or five times, including Hawaii and, uh, Iron Maui and in, in Napier was, was stunning. It was, it was, a, it was a, a community event that you just happen to be part of. Whereas Ironman is typically can be quite insular, quite quite solo. This was definitely not a solo event. It was um, you know very much 400, 500 people moving as, as one, um, which was very cool. And then, yeah, daily, uh, uh, now that we're empty nest, we try to go for full kennel. For some reason, we've taken on babysitting other people's dogs. So um, we've replaced, <laughs> replaced the children with canines. Easier. <laughs>
0: Well, it's great to have you join me today, Tim, and a first for me in interviewing my own um, boss, but it's been a great discussion. (laughs) Um, So to our listeners, you can learn more about Hins by visiting our website at hins.org.nz and we look forward to having you join us for our next podcast episode. Uh, Ki te Thanks for listening to eHealth Talk. Be sure to subscribe and share with your colleagues and friends eHealth Talk, eHealth News and the eHealth Webinar series are supported by Health Informatics New Zealand. See hins.org.nz for more information and become a member starting at just $17 a month. We also have affordable organisational membership options for both our industry partners and healthcare providers.